Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me into Matthew chapter 13? Matthew chapter 13, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, and this week we are looking at another one of the parables. Two weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the sower. Last week, we looked at Jesus' explanation of why he teaches in parables. And today, we're going to look at what's called the parable of the weeds. And this parable of the weeds is often talked about um, the separation there. There is a distinction between those who are saved and those who are lost. But there's another lesson that this teaches. Why... Does God, if He is all good and all powerful, why does He allow evil to continue to go on in the world? That's something that this this parable addresses. Why does God allow evil to go on in the world? Um, and, and I, I think this, this parable is helpful for us in understanding that. Let's go ahead and read our text, beginning in verse um, 24 of Matthew chapter 13. And, and again, this one, Jesus gives the parable in one section. He goes and teaches another parable, and then He comes back and He gives the explanation. We'll be just dealing with Jesus' parable and the explanation. Beginning in verse 24, He says, he put, in, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers. Gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. We'll skip to verse 36 where Jesus picks up the explanation. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and law and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. 
In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are long-suffering. You are patient with us. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us here to worship you, to be your children. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus begins with this parable. It's a very simple parable. Um, Anyone can understand it that's in an agricultural background like where he was at. This man, this landowner, went out and he sowed seeds. Very similar to what we see in the parable of the sower. Yet it turns out different. He, he, he plants good seed. He's got good seed that he's sowing in his field. He's planting wheat like what I've got up here. Planting wheat. He finishes his sowing and he goes to bed and it it picks up later because it says whenever it sprouted, uh, let me see, when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. So apparently there there, there was a a, a kind of a telescoping of time here. We, we, we've got, uh, he, he plants them, he goes to bed, and the next thing you know, they're, they're all sprouted and they're, they're, they're starting to bear some grain. And his servants come to him and he t- they tell him, wait a minute, you, you, didn't you plant good seed? They knew that the landowner was good. They knew the seed that he had was good. And they're wondering, where do these weeds come from? Now that doesn't really make sense to us, does it? I mean, didn't they have... uh, I mean, to us, when we're planting a field, uh, you talk to any farmer that plants a field of wheat, the weeds just come up naturally, right? You don't have to go out and plant them. They'll get blown in there or something like that. But that kind of messes up the point of the story. (laughs) Here... um, the, uh, the servants asked, didn't you plant good seed? The master said, yes, he, he planted good seed. The servants say that uh, someone has gone and he has planted, he's sown um, weeds among with the wheat. Verse 27, and the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said, An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do what you uh, then do you want us to go and gather them? This is what the servants asked. Do you want us to go out and into the field and start plucking all the weeds out? Now if you've ever seen a wheat field which we see all the time as we're driving down the road. The wheat is so close together, right? You go starting to try to go through and pick out all the weeds, and you're going to stomp down the wheat while you're doing it. Not to mention the 
the answer that the landowner here gives, the one who sowed the wheat, says if you start pulling up the weeds, you're going to be pulling up the good seed along with it. You'll be pulling up the good, the, the good plants, the wheat. It's going to damage the crop. So let them grow, grow together, is his answer. Let them grow together. And then when the harvest comes, that's when we'll separate them. When the harvest comes, we think today of the time when we see all the combines in the field, like now, comes at an appropriate time. My dad just harvested his wheat this week. Tuesday, they put up all the straw. When the harvest time comes, that's whenever they'll separate. They'll be separated. What does this mean? We can come up with all kinds of meanings on our own if Jesus didn't tell us what it meant. But He did. Jesus actually gave us an interpretation. We don't have to guess about what it means. Verse 36, He gives the answer. His disciples come to Him, they're wondering, what what does this mean? We don't get it. We're thick. He starts to say, again, here, Jesus is showing that this particular parable, not all parables are this way, but this particular parable is like an allegory. An allegory is a story where every aspect of the story has a particular thing that it's pointing to. Now, we don't want to do that with all of Scripture, but there are allegories in Scripture, and here is one where Jesus is clearly telling us to understand it that way. He says, the one who sows the good seed, that's the Son of Man. Now, who's that? Who's the Son of Man? Well, Jesus refers to Himself as the Son of Man. He talks throughout all the Gospels, the Son of Man is what He refers to Himself as. Jesus, He's saying, I am the Son of Man. He's saying, the one who sows the good seed, that's me. That's what Jesus says. But the Son of Man is something that they should have also recognized from the Old Testament. See, Jesus wasn't just a normal human being that was born just like any one of the rest of us, but He was the Son of God who was born of a virgin and be and was God in the flesh. The Word became flesh. The Son of Man, whenever Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of Man, the people should have remembered Daniel. The passage that John, uh, that, that Ron read from here just a minute ago. In, in Daniel chapter 7, we see this figure, the Son of Man. The Ancient of Days was there. And the thrones were all set out. He, he sits on a throne. He's the king. He's ruling. And all the people were there. And then one comes before this, this Ancient of Days. That's God the Father, the Eternal One. One comes before Him like a Son of Man. That's where that term comes from in the Old Testament. The Son of Man. And God the Father, the Ancient of Days, hands over the kingdom to God the Son, to the Son of Man. 
He gives him a dominion that will last forever. There is so much that's packed into that. There is so much that is packed into that concept that Jesus is the Son of Man. We, we look there at Daniel and see the clear reference that He's the Son of Man. But what about the Son of Man? He has a kingdom that will last forever. Well, let's back up a little bit. See, Daniel was prophesying during the Babylonian exile when God's people, the, uh, the Jews, were taken into captivity in Babylon. But before that, about... 500 years before, maybe a little bit less, there was a king named David. And David was promised that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. David was promised that he would have a son that would sit on his throne forever. We're talking here about an eternal kingdom. A kingdom that would last forever. The Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days, the Ancient of Days gives Him a kingdom that will be an everlasting dominion that will have no end. So I think the, this Ancient of Days, uh, this uh, Son of Man figure we see in Daniel, should be linked with the promise to David. This is going to be one of David's line that's going to receive the kingdom that's going to last forever. Let's back up even further. See, David... His promises, the ones that he received, were just an extension of the ones that came before him. You had Abraham who was promised that he would have a son, not just Isaac, but he would have descendants as many as the stars of the heaven and of the sands of the sea, of the seashore, of the beach, and that kings would come from his line. That eventually was David. And we see that the prophecy was extended to this, this Son of Man. Let's go back even further. Before Abraham, back to Genesis chapter 3. Back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve were there in the garden and they fell, when they fell, when sin first came into the world, there was a promise also given. The serpent was cursed. The serpent was cursed and there was a promise given that the, the seed of the woman, that would be a descendant of Eve, would crush the serpent's head. Now, I don't have time to go through and explain everything all in the Old Testament and how this all fits together. But from Genesis one or Genesis chapter three, where we have a promise that there was a, a one that was going to come, a descendant of Eve, a seed of the woman who would crush Satan's skull, we have further expansions upon that promise to where we come to Daniel and we're expecting a son of man, a human being who would be given a kingdom and power and authority. And here Jesus is saying, "I'm that one." And he says in this parable, the one who sows the good seed, that's the Son of Man. That's me. I hope I didn't go too far afield to make it confusing. Verse 37. Oh, no, verse 38. The field is the world. The field is the world. 
Now, over time, many people have looked at this passage and they've thought about what this field is. Well, we just need to take Jesus' word for it. It's the world. It's the whole world. The field is the world. Some have looked at it and said, well, maybe the field is the church. Okay? And, and, and by that, they look at this parable and say, well, the church is filled up with both believers and unbelievers. But yet that not ought to be so. The church, we should strive as much as we can to have what's called a regenerate church membership. That is, in order to join a Baptist church, we believe you, you've got to be able to share a testimony, share a, a, a credible testimony of how Jesus has changed your life. We don't admit babies into membership because babies have not yet been able to have that experience of change in their life from Jesus. The field is the world. It's not the church. It's the world, the whole world. Then he says, the good seed is, are the sons of the kingdom and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. So you have the good seed, the, the wheat that's growing up in this field. Those, those are not just believers, but they are believers, but they're everyone who will be saved eventually. Everyone. Now, I don't want to get into to predestination and all those things, but I think what the best term to use for that is it's the elect. It's everyone who will ever be saved. Everyone who will ever believe. From the time of Adam and Eve up until when He comes again. Everyone. The church triumphant. Everyone who has ever believed or ever will believe is the weeds. Is the wheat. And the weeds are the sons of the evil one. That's everyone who will not believe. Ultimately, die in their sins and be apart from Christ forever. That's who those two groups of people are. These, the seeds, the wheat, the wheat, the wheat seeds are all of the believers, all of the believers who will ever live. Basically, the elect of God. And then the weeds are those who will one day experience hell. The weeds are the son of the evil man. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. This kind of goes back again to Genesis chapter 3. What did, Jesus, what did God tell Eve? The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. The serpent, that old serpent of old, was the devil. And as we see the Old Testament playing out, what we see is we have a godly line. We have a godly line with people like Seth. And we're following this line, and we're, it comes down to Abraham, or to Noah first, and then to Abraham. And we're following this line that God is, is choosing to work among. These are the seed of the woman. These are the sons of the kingdom. And there's this conflict between, in the Old Testament from Genesis 3 on between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Cain 
would be represented as the seed of the serpent. Lamech, the, the Lamech who, who boasted because he had two wives and he killed seven men, that was a seed of the serpent. We see um, Sodom and Gomorrah in the story of Abraham, seed of the serpent. We have Pharaoh who, who uh, is there in, in Egypt who's trying to keep the, the Israelites from being able to go a seed of the serpent. There's this conflict throughout. The enemies of God's people are always pre- presented as the seed of the serpent. And what we see throughout the Bible is this conflict. Now, God allows the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, that is, Jesus, and that godly line, but also everyone who is found in Jesus, to grow together in this life. <coughs> Field is the word. The good seed is is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. One of these days, we're all going to face a judgment. One of these days, Jesus is coming back. He is not coming back Whenever He comes back as a baby in a manger again, all meek and mild. When He comes again, He's coming as a judge. Revelation describes Jesus' return as He's coming on a white horse with white hair with flames of fire and a sword coming out of His mouth. He's coming one day and He will judge the world in righteousness. At that time, He will separate the wheat from the chaff. The wheat from the weeds. The harvest is that time that comes at the end when Jesus returns. The reapers are the angels. I'm not going to do a whole lot with that one. Verse 40, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of all of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. The sons of the wicked one, the sons of the evil one, sons of the seed of the serpent. One of these days, all causes of sin, every wicked one will be thrown into the lake of fire. We read about in Revelation. But then, in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. The righteous, those who have trusted in Jesus, those who have are believers, those who God has elected from before time began. I'll say it that way. We will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. There is a judgment coming. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter, asks the question, why has God delayed? Why is He waiting so long to come? He says at the end, it says at the end time, people are going to be asking that question. Oh, believers, that you're, you keep saying that Jesus, that the, that Jesus is coming back. Where is He? 
Where is the promise of it coming? That's what Second Peter says people are going to say in the last days. And Peter tells us, God is not slow as some count slowness, but He is patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is waiting. He is patient. He allows the wheat and the weeds to grow up together for the sake of the wheat. It tells us. It's for the sake of the wheat. For the sake of those who will be saved. That He allows us to grow up together in this world giving patience, giving us time that we can turn to Him, that we can repent. So why does God allow bad things to happen in this world? Why does He allow evil to persist? Because He's patient. Because He's patient and kind and He's giving us grace every day that we breathe. Giving us time so that we might repent of our sins, that we might turn to Him, that we might look to Him and praise Him, turn away from our sins, and turn to Jesus Christ. Let him who has ears, let him hear, is how this parable ends. Do you hear the voice of Jesus in this? Do you hear His voice speaking to you? We saw in the parable of the sower that this seed lands on some some places like the path where the enemy comes and he snatches it away before you even get a chance to understand it. Don't be that. No. Listen. If you've got ears, listen to what I'm saying. One of these days, Jesus will come and you're going to stand before Him. He's giving time right now. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. We can be saved from this wrath that is to come. And how can we be saved? It's because of Jesus and what He did. I said that Jesus is that seed of the woman who came and He crushed the serpent's head. Well, how did He do that? By dying. Jesus came and He lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect, sinless life without without ever one wrong. He was an innocent man. And He went to a cross, not because of anything that He did, but He gave His life willingly. It all happened according to the divine plan of God. He went to the cross and He died. His life was not taken from Him, but He gave it. And they buried Him in a tomb, but He was there for three days and He busted out! He rose again! He appeared before many witnesses. And He ascended into heaven. And before He ascended into heaven, He gave the church, He gave His disciples a commission that we are to go into all nations and make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them everything that He commanded. There is still time right now. You can become a disciple. You can 
Trust in Him even today. While there's still time. Trust in what He did on the cross. He took away our sin. He was a substitute that took our place. We deserve the wrath of God. But Ephesians tells us we were dead in our sins and we were by nature children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy, took us from death into life. And He can do that for you. Let him who has ears hear. If you hear him today, trust in him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.